Gathering at places of worship is a sacred rite. But these days, gathering is inside, outside, Zooming, FaceTiming, Skyping, even at drive-in movie theaters. But during the last year, Christians, along with people of other faiths enduring the lockdowns, unable to gather, well, it leaves some people feeling that it's an infringement on their religious freedoms. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. Not with regard to our worship. Can I ask you about your decision to go to church to be inside that building? I wouldn't be anywhere else. While others say we've got to listen to health authorities. When it comes to preserving the sanctity of life, this is one of those times where that matters. Today, we look at all sides of this debate. They began to feel that the restrictions were very um, oppressive and, uh, and arbitrary. Maggie John visits an inner city ministry where God never sleeps, as they've been caring for the less fortunate since the beginning of the global pandemic. Christine Yu visits a street pastor helping people who are unable to get to the only lifelines they have to the outside world. Today on Context, is church essential? Here's Maggie John with a lawyer from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. Lisa Bildi represents a number of churches and people who want to fully open their doors again without restrictions. Lisa, it has been reported that Pastor James Coates of Grace Life Church has been released from jail. That's big news. Would you say that this is an issue of religious freedom or is it a human rights issue? Well, it's it's a human rights issue more broadly. I mean, we so our organization defends the charter rights of Canadians. And of course, freedom of religion is one of those. Freedom of association, freedom of peaceful assembly are, are others. And all of them are really implicated by these um, various restrictions on the ability to gather for any purpose, but certainly for religious gatherings. And how do you balance the laws put in place for health and safety during this pandemic with human rights and freedoms? Well, that's been the real big question, uh, because obviously civil liberties, if they're going to be infringed by our government, it has to be done in a, in a manner uh, only, and it's like very limited, but only where it can be demonstrably justified that it's, that it's necessary and reasonable and, uh, and a minimal impairment of our rights. And so that's a pretty high onus, and the government has to meet that. Uh, but in the case of a pandemic, where they're arguing that they have to put these restrictions in place, uh, a lot of people believe that those any limits are justified. So where the line is, is the million dollar question. And until courts start ruling on the constitutional question more fully, it's still hard to know where that line is. And what are the people in the churches you're representing telling you? Well, they're telling me that, that uh, they view themselves as absolutely essential because this has been going on for a year. And certainly while, uh, you know, in the beginning days of the pandemic pandemic, and even in the earlier months, uh, they were certainly willing and uh, prepared to go along with whatever restrictions were put in place. As time went on and we got more information about the virus and, and knew more about um, who it was impacting the most and how we could protect ourselves from it, uh, they began to feel that the restrictions were very um, oppressive and uh, and arbitrary, because in a lot of jurisdictions across the country, the churches have been particularly singled out uh, for more draconian lockdowns. They haven't been treated as essential at all. Now, that's not the case in every jurisdiction, but, but certainly in some. So they're of the view that they are essential. They provide hope in a time when people are struggling. And as the lockdown harms mount, 
because remember, it's not just the virus that is causing harm anymore. We've been at this so long now that we're starting to see a lot of other impacts and, and secondary consequences, which in the long run may uh, outweigh what uh, consequences there were from the pandemic itself. And as, as they're sort of on the front lines of dealing with people every day, they recognize that those that people need hope right now and they need to come together in their worship communities. So that's what they're telling me. Coming up later on the show, Lisa, um, we have a pastor, another pastor who says the Bible requires Christians to adhere to the law of the land. Is there anything on the other side of this highly divisive issue that you would agree with? Well, I, you know, this is that's an, a, theor, um, a theological interpretation, and I'm I'm not I equipped to deal with that question. I know that some of the pastors that we represent have a different view on that particular question. Um, you know, they they are of the view that uh, they are to follow their biblical call to have corporate worship. So, um, and while you follow the um, the government on matters that are in the government's purview, whether the government should be restricting churches is not something that, that they believe uh, is within their purview. How about also caring for our neighbors? And, and even if that means that we have to shut down our churches, we're protecting ourselves from, uh, from being able to contract this virus and be able to pass it on to others. What, what are the thoughts of, of churches when it comes to that and just being a, a good neighbor in their community and making sure there isn't transmission of the virus? Well, I don't think anybody has taken the position that we should just let it rip and, and not be concerned about our neighbors. But caring for our neighbors, and this is, these are not really legal issues, so my, my clients would be better equipped to speak to these questions. But Caring for our neighbors is, is also looking after their, their emotional, psychological, and uh, um, religious needs too. So they're not opening the door to let everybody in, hundreds, you know, uh, 900 people at a time. Uh, they are certainly putting parameters in place so that nobody who comes in is sick or carrying the virus and um, they distance people, they space them out in the, in the church and so on. So it's not that, uh, that they're completely lacking in, in appreciation for the fact that there's a virus going around, uh, but they think that the measures are too, are too restrictive, too heavy-handed, and given what we now know about the virus, that it is not the unusually deadly killer that we thought it was a year ago, uh, it's time for it to, to be, for, for a new perspective on, on the whole matter. Yeah, I think some people would disagree with that statement about it not being a, a killer because there are millions of people who've died. But last question, uh, how- Well, I didn't say it wasn't, just a minute, I didn't say it wasn't a killer. I just said that it wasn't what we had feared a year ago. So we, we know a lot more about it now, so we can protect ourselves a lot better. Last question. Uh, than, so how, how do you think this will play out in the courts? Well, we're starting to find out. We had a case in BC just, uh, Last week, that was uh, a decision was rendered that was actually uh, not that favorable to us. Uh, the judge there ruled that the restrictions that the public health officer had put in place uh, were within the realm of of reasonable. It didn't get into the charter questions quite the way that we're hoping to in the decisions that we're we're looking for in Ontario. The the regime is different. The um, you know it's a it's a public health officer making all the decisions out there. But it is telling the, the courts do seem to be giving the governments a fairly wide berth on this. And uh, and so we do have a tough battle ahead of us. But, you know, that's that's par for the course. All right. Thank you, Lisa Bildy, for your time again, lawyer from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom. Thank you.
You're welcome. Jonathan Sherman is a pastor in Saskatchewan who, like many religious leaders, is struggling with staying connected with their congregations amid this pandemic and all of its health restrictions. And yet he says in a recent Huffington Post article that Christians flouting pandemic rules need a come to Jesus moment. Pastor Jonathan Sherman, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So why do you say that churches that have challenged the health restrictions need to have a come to Jesus moment? Well, because it's pretty evident based on the Bible that we are called as Christians to abide by the things that our earthly leaders are asking of us unless they con unless what they're asking of us contravenes biblical teaching. And so far I see nothing that's being asked of us that contravenes any of that. So I am calling people back to what Jesus would demand of us. Some people have been arguing that it does contravene what we've been called to do as the church. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, obviously, I disagree. Um, so far, they've asked many things that are uh, difficult on us, things that put us in a, in a difficult position or in an inconvenient position. But so far, I haven't seen anything or, or been asked to do anything uh, that, has contravene, that contravenes biblical teaching. It might make my job more difficult. It might make the, the role of the church uh, less efficient unless we go about things creatively. But so far, no one's asked me to say or do or censored anything that we do as a church in any way other than saying you can't gather in person in large quantities without certain rules or restrictions. And that's just not something that the Bible ever says is required of us. Now, some people would point uh, to Hebrews and say, you know, we're not to give up meeting together. And I for fully affirm that, but I would challenge that, that we are members of the church, both visible and invisible. And uh, we believe as Christians that we meet together with saints from across space and time supernaturally. And so, especially with things like technology that we're communicating through right now, there is no reason that we can't do everything that we do on a Sunday morning through methods like this. And your church has had to deal with the same restrictions. How have you navigated through the challenges it has brought? You say in your piece, we adapted because we wanted to continue connecting with people while also balancing the sanctity of human life. Yeah, so first of all, let me just shout out, the uh, Huffington Post picked this, this article up, but it was originally written for my local newspapers. So let me shout out the World Spectator, give them some free publicity. But no, we, we've changed a lot of what we've done. Um, you know, things like children's ministries and youth ministries, there are restrictions now on, on what they can do, and there have been different restrictions on that. It's about getting creative, right? So we've used technology, we've invested uh, monetarily in technology, and then we've also just gotten creative in how we connect and care for people uh, from, a, from a distance. And I think that that is something that the church, uh, the global church, had to grapple with anyway. Uh, the world is so interconnected now that this has accelerated that. And I'm not, I, I certainly am not indifferent to the difficulties that that has pre uh, presented to us. But by adapting and using technology and getting creative in how we uh, discuss things with people or, or provide counseling remotely, there are pros and cons to that and challenges with that. But there's also some blessings that come with that and some things that we have found that people really respond to. Stepping out of your comfort zone a little. You also yeah, say sure. you also say in the article, gathering in large numbers with little or no safety measures is not only irresponsible, but it also runs counter to everything Christians stand for. 
explain that for me. That's right. Well, I mean, you mentioned it a few minutes ago, sanctity of life. You know, Christians are pretty uniform. Uh, it's it's uni pretty uniform across Christendom that sanctity of life is a biblical principle. It's one of the foundational tenets of our faith. And that is something that applies from womb to tomb. And we have to, we have to acknowledge that uh, when it comes to preserving the sanctity of life, this is one of those times where that matters. We have to, the, where the rubber meets the road. Are we willing to be people who say, even one preventable life lost is too many? And if so, what is our role in preventing that? And so in cases like this, I, I liken it to fire capacity. You know, the government restricts uh, churches and other venues uh, in, in how many people can be in one confined space because of a potential risk. You know, if there's not always a fire, but there could be. And when there is, the safe thing to do is to have restrictions on those numbers. And the same thing with COVID restrictions. They're limiting the numbers of people who can be in a certain space, not because there is a guaranteed risk, but because there is the potential for risk. And so one is very similar to the other. And if there's a potential that we could be helping preserve life, we have a biblical obligation to do so. This has unfortunately become a very divisive issue. Pastors are being fined. One has even been jailed. Is there anything on the other side that you do agree with? Uh, plenty. Um, one of the misconceptions since my article was published here locally and then, and then published by HuffPost nationally, one of the misconceptions that I've had to deal with is that people uh, are taking this as, uh, with me writing that we should be abiding by these rules as me saying I agree with every single one of them. Uh, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, uh, I'm not a politician. Um, I, what I know is that the Bible calls us to obey the things that are being asked of us. And so there's plenty, when, when these conversations happen, the conversation always turns to, well, are these rules even effective? And I can't speak to that on, on a professional basis. Um, so there's plenty that I would sympathize with and plenty that I would uh, agree with about whether or not the rules are being applied consistently, but that's not for us to say. Uh, it's not my job to be, to be uh, questioning the government and, and what they're trying to do to keep us healthy unless it contravenes biblical teaching. And again, so far, I don't see that. All right. Pastor Jonathan Sherman, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Just ahead, a church in Toronto hasn't missed a beat in meeting the needs of the most vulnerable among us. I visit the Inner City Toronto Alliance Church to find out more. Like to watch more Context Beyond the Headlines? Catch up on any of our shows online. On YouTube, search Context Beyond the Headlines for the most up-to-date episodes and extended content. Listen on the go with Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Check out our reporters and producers' stories at our website, context.show. Follow us on Instagram at Context Beyond the Headlines and Twitter at Context TV. There are so many ways to put more context into your life. Christine Yu visits a street pastor helping people who are unable to get to the only lifelines they have to the outside world. Now, as we've been discussing throughout the show, uh, it's a very controversial issue, and we have Christians on both sides of the topic. I'm here today with Pastor David Lin of Christ Forgiveness Ministries. Why, in your opinion, is the church essential during COVID? Well, first and foremost, I, as a minister, I speak on behalf of the Word of God and Jesus Christ, and I just want to let everyone know that Jesus Christ saves, and He is the Lord, and 
The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, 25, that we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is. The assembling factor, if you look up the word, has to do with actually meeting. And this is uh, for the purpose of strengthening faith, passing on gifts, um, uh, participating in the sacraments, participating in, in things like uh, baptism, uh, praying for the sick. All of this requires physical contact, physical meeting. And as well, it's very different to meet online than it is to meet in person. Like Pastor James Coates from Grace Life Church in Alberta, who was recently released from jail uh, due to keeping his church open during the pandemic, uh, you've also experienced being jailed for your convictions. Tell me what that experience was like for you. It was shocking because uh, living in Canada, being born and raised in Canada, I never thought in, uh, uh, that a pastor or someone preaching the word uh, would ever be arrested. We have freedom of speech, or at least we're supposed to. We're taught from a young age to be tolerant and be equitable for every, uh, towards everybody. And just to, just to know that someone like uh, Pastor James or even myself would be locked up for saying God loves you or exercising our freedoms is, is absurd and uh, very hurtful. And it, it makes you kind of wonder now, as a Canadian citizen, uh, am I going to be ostracized and criticized in every arena that I go to? Uh, how do I express my faith? Um, even though I know how to, and, and I'm going to have to anyway, just like Pastor James Coates, but, but it, 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 it just makes a Christian feel that they're, they're marginalized or they're second class. Now, what would you say to your fellow uh, pastors who believe that churches should stay closed during the pandemic? Nowhere do we see Jesus retreating from the ministry other than the times when he needed rest. I think God is shaking up the church and saying, listen, somebody needs to be the salt and the light of the earth. And if it's, and if it's not going to be you, he's going to be raising up people like Pastor James Coates or myself to, to go to the highways and the byways. People need uh, prayer. People need uh, encouragement. And, and this uh, Zoom call thing and this online thing uh, is very difficult to, to reach new people. Let's not kid ourselves. Not all Christians think alike. Some have different views and they're on different walks within the faith. And some may call you radical, but others love what you do and how dedicated you are to the church. How do we go about bridging those differing viewpoints within the Christian community itself? I think it, it, uh, it, it, it takes an honest read of the word of God and an honest uh, search of the heart. What does it mean to be a Christian? From my perspective, looking at scripture, uh, being a Christian is somebody that is a fisher of men that is willing to uh, uh, go beyond um, our, our own um, agenda and our own uh, framework to reach out to somebody else. And that's what love is. We have to realize what our purpose is. It's, it's to be like Christ. And Christ went to the leper. He didn't hide from the leper. So I think we just need an honest read of the scripture, an honest reflection of ourselves. And, and we have to just dialogue with one another. So lastly, places like the Salvation Army and organizations like AA, uh, they originated from the church. Um, what would you say to some of those people who have not been able to access those services right now due to the lockdowns that need a little bit of hope? Well, what I would say is that um, there are churches and ministries out there that, that are still going on the front lines and have not shut their doors. There is a God in heaven that sees all and knows all and 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 he's never uh let anyone down and he says trust in trust in him and he won't won't put anybody to shame and he sent jesus christ 
to demonstrate that love and people today are being healed and set free and and delivered from their situations by faith in Christ and there is a God if you can't find them call on his name and 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 God is able to send somebody uh, through your prayers to to help and um, you know I can just encourage you to hang on don't give up because uh, God does love you Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Dio, for joining us go. today. <laughs>Like many places of worship here in Canada, Toronto Alliance has made the shift to online, making sure that they can connect with their parishioners. But there is a significant part of this community that is dependent on the actual presence of this church. And the pastor here is ensuring that they are not forgotten. We're a church like any church. We have a congregation and you know those sort of worship services, they, they go online. but. We have just a, a long-standing ministry to street-involved people and, and their hunger continues. And so they keep coming by. So, you know, we, ha we have reached out and welcomed those people for many years. They, you know, they, they've come here on Saturday nights. And so that's where we would feed them and we would have clothing rooms and a nurse and all of that. So just whatever is useful for street-involved people. And so we would... Uh, we would just seek to help them. And there's always a worship service too if they would choose to come and be part of that. But when COVID comes, all that gets shut down because we can't welcome people inside anymore, just like anybody, all that is no more. But these people just continue to come and ring the doorbells. And our ministry just continues in that, in that way of feeding people and, and clothing people and helping people from our food bank. and. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever it is that they would need. And so, but we do it now from the front door. That's what we do. And I love the fact that Toronto Alliance and your team, that you didn't just stick to the Saturdays that you were doing, but this has become now something that you're doing almost every single day of the week. You're That's opening true. up your door and making sure that your community is fed and taken care of. Tell, paint a picture of what that looks like every day. Yeah. The number of people that we help has probably grown three threefold. Wow. Before we would we would serve a meal on Saturday nights. Now that happens Tuesday right through Saturday. We where we make lunches uh, every day. How many people do you think you feed a day? It would be it would be fifty to seventy five wow. during the week, yeah. and then on on the weekend on Saturday that that increases again, and a lot of new people too. And it's not just interesting, it's not just street people anymore either, or even street involved people, as we would say, uh, but it's people where they have lost their income or maybe uh, their, their check just doesn't go far enough anymore. And so they have a place, but they have nothing in it and they have dependents and things like that. And so, yeah, so the number of people coming and calling is grown. You and know, I significantly. love, you gave me a tour of your worship space and your church space. And I love the fact that you have actively turned a lot of your Sunday school rooms into spaces where you're stock, stock areas, where you're um, packing away, uh, be it toiletries or different things. Yeah. So again, actively think about it. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the process of deciding to do that and be able to hand up more than just food, but also mm -hmm. coats and toiletries and all of those things. Those rooms have always had to do double duty. 
you know, but it's like any church. It's also a Sunday school room where you gather children or you have small groups or something like that. But, but uh, when we're not gathering any people, the truth is that, that all of that stock of clothing or toiletries or hygiene supplies, it literally takes over the room as people give to us. That, that's just how we have stuff, you know, because churches or sometimes individuals will just give us. And, and sometimes we don't stay as much ahead of it. That's the truth of it. But the whole place just becomes useful for what is needed for street people. That's really the process. But then, you know, when we have to make way for, when we have to make way for in-person gatherings, then we have to become much more organized. And Bill, tell me about that. You know, as, as churches are allowed to open up more, do you see this part of your ministry stopping? Or have you learned some new things about maybe the way you'll do ministry differently? We, we haven't talked definitively about that as a team, but quite likely it, there will be an ongoing daily uh, outreach to people. Quite likely we will do that. It's such a significant opportunity, really, because people come by. Uh, there, there's one of my colleagues stood out front and they were, he was just chatting with a guy for an hour and a half and he was really just unburdening his soul, a guy who, who, who's homeless. An amazing conversation. There's somebody who came, wanted to talk to me, wanted to pray. Uh, he's a very troubled, very troubled individual, but he, he comes in uh, and we let him in. So usually we don't. He, we let him in, and, but, uh, but the opportunities that, that come just to, uh, just to visit with people, uh, definitely where there's need, it's good to just help people with food and with clothing. We, we will always do that. You know, but it's the, it's the other things too where people come and they seek a friend and they seek opportunity, they ask for prayer, things like that. And that's what the church is about, for sure. To, to, give, people, uh, to give people dignity, for sure, on the one hand, and help them uh, just with survival, clothing and food. Um, but to give people hope. Yeah, we want to give people hope and to point people to, you know, the master of our lives. It sounds to me, Bill, like even with the restrictions, it didn't stop you, it didn't stop your team, it didn't stop Toronto Alliance from being the church. The restrictions have changed things for us. They change how we do what we do. They've definitely changed it, but it, it hasn't stopped us. It hasn't stopped us. Created new new opportunities, created new relationships. It's created, uh, it's, it's done, it's created new things for us. It has not, I mean, there's frustrating things for, truly, you know, for us, like any church, there's been frustrating and setbacks and difficulties and, and trying to roll with the punches, you know, just with uh, all that the restrictions bring for any place of gathering. But truly, the, it's brought all together new opportunities. Like to watch more Context Beyond the Headlines? Catch up on any of our shows online. On YouTube, search Context Beyond the Headlines for the most up-to-date episodes and extended content. Listen on the go with Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Check out our reporters' and producers' stories at our website, context.show. Follow us on Instagram at Context Beyond the Headlines and Twitter at Context TV. There are so many ways to put more context into your life.
Hi, I'm Kelvin Mazik, Director of Context. Each week our team tackles news headlines that affect us all. Our producers go beyond those headlines where we find God in action. But we could not produce this program without you, our viewers and our donors. If you'd like to find out how you can support the show, visit us at crossroads.ca forward slash context. We'll see you next week and every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. right here on Yes TV.